Uh, you like motivational posters? You know those motivational posters? I don't know when these started. They, they became kind of a, a thing for a while. Uh, you maybe see these uh, hanging where you work or in a school maybe. Look at this guy. Make it happen, it says. There's no challenge too great for those who have the will to make it happen. I mean, that's it. You just have to have the will to make it happen. And you can climb mountains and drag your bicycle with you. And, well, you know, it's inspirational, right? Aren't you motivated? <laughs> this one. This one's good. I, this is probably hard to see for you because of the colors and everything, but it says success. Some people dream of success while others wake up and work hard at it. <laughs> Isn't that great? But now, I had to give this one a, a harder look, um, and it, it's hard to notice maybe, but this is a, a golf green. But if you look closely, there's frost on the ground, but there are footprints. The implication being somebody was up really early, you know, right at the crack of dawn maybe, while there was still frost on the ground, working hard at their golf game. And that's what success takes, right? Is to work hard at it. But you know, I think for many of us, our favorite is uh, this old good one. Hang in there. Remember hanging? I don't know if this is the original one, but this kitten hanging from a branch or from a rope, hang in there. It's motivational, right? It's inspirational to have this uh, just hang in there. I wonder how many of you have ever really been inspired or motivated by those, though. I, yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not poo-pooing the idea of a motivational poster, but I wonder how often it really changes our life, you know, changes our thinking. I want you to keep that in mind as you turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Joshua. We're back to Joshua, and we're actually in the book of Joshua now. We've done some background stuff. We've been introduced to Joshua uh, through the first five books of the Bible. Uh, so we've seen little glimpses of Joshua and who he is. But now we really see Joshua come to the fore as the leader of the nation of Israel. So Joshua chapter 1, we're going to start right at the beginning of this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. So just by way of reminder, it's been a few weeks, but, but we looked at at the end of Deuteronomy, uh, uh, Moses dies. And there's this whole backstory that, you know, Moses was at a, a point during this exodus disobedient to God. He lost his temper and he lost sight of, of obedience to God rising above his own, you know, emotions. And he, and he lost his temper and God says, Moses, listen, you're not going to go into this promised land with the people. You'll, you'll see it, God very graciously, sweetly, I think. There's this beautiful scene where he takes Moses up, up to a mountaintop and says, there it is. There's, I want you to at least see it, you know. But then he gathers Moses to his fathers, you know. It's this Old, old Testament language, this beautiful imagery. Uh, and he's buried on the top of this mountain. And now Joshua is in charge. And we looked at that before. God had already said, 
Joshua will be the next person in charge. God declared that. And so here it is. Now God says to Joshua. Now, I think something is interesting here. I don't know if you remember, but one of the things that we looked at was this idea that Moses had a very unique relationship with God, like no one else had, including Joshua. And in fact, Moses was told that, and Joshua was told that beforehand, that the means by which Joshua would hear from the Lord would now be through the priest. I don't know if you remember that, the Urim and the Thummim. We don't know exactly what those are. Most scholars think that they were some sorts of stones, perhaps. Maybe sticks, I don't know. But they were kept within the, the breastplate that the high priest wore as he ministered. And they were thought by most to be kind of a yes-no thing. And that God would communicate to the high priest, and that high priest would communicate then to the rest of Israel through the mechanism of this kind of yes-no but as you notice here, well, let me take a step back. And so Moses and Joshua had been told, that is how things are going to work from now on. Moses spoke with God face to face. You know, he went to that, that tent of meeting and would meet with God. And, and the Bible tells us he would speak with him as to a friend. Isn't that beautiful? But that was a unique relationship. And God explained Joshua won't have that. And yet, do you notice what's going on here? This isn't just the Urim and the Thummim. There is something special here where God, in His wisdom, in His sovereignty, does seem to be having... Now, we're not told that it's you know, face-to-face in exactly the same mode and manner as Moses used to speak with God. But it is a very similar... God is speaking to Joshua here. And that is not a normal occurrence throughout the rest of Joshua's tenure as the leader of Israel. But God in this opportunity speaks directly and kind of specially to Joshua. And he just says, okay, Moses, my servant, I love that he describes him as Moses, my servant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan. It's interesting, I don't know if you all have that in your translations, but he doesn't just say the Jordan, he says this Jordan. Kind of reminding us that they're right there at the Jordan River. And whereas before, some 38 to 40 years previously, they were to enter the promised land from the south, now they've wandered around and now they're entering the promised land from the east. They're on the opposite side of the Jordan River, uh, opposite Jericho. We'll look at that later. But they're right there at the river, which is why God says, this Jordan River, you're going to cross this Jordan. And I want you to lead this people into the land that I'm giving them. I'm giving this land to the people of Israel. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised to Moses. Isn't that great? Every step you take, you know, every little square foot that the sole of your foot touches. And you notice what he says? He doesn't even say, I will give it to you. He says, I've already given it to you. It's already yours. I already promised this to Moses. I've already said, 
This has happened. And so just remember, everywhere you walk, every place the sole of your foot touches, it's yours. This is the land. This is the place that I promised a very long time ago to give you. Here it is. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. He describes the the boundaries of this land somewhat differently than he has in some other places. But but he says this is big expanse of land. Uh, Spoiler, they didn't take the whole expanse of land that was given to them by God. We'll get to that a little bit later. But but he says, here it is. I've already given it to you. It's yours. And he says in verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Isn't this fantastic? This God takes this opportunity to speak very directly to Joshua. And he reminds him of these things. And he he preps him for these things. And then what we get in verse 6 is perhaps the most well-known thing that we know from the book of Joshua. This saying that is so very familiar to us. He says, be strong and courageous. Yeah? Amen? Isn't that good stuff? There have been songs written with these words. We've had these words. on. This is a good motivational poster, right? Be strong and courageous. This is where this comes from. And what you're going to notice is it's repeated a number of times. God doesn't just say it once. Now, I want to stop here and suggest something to you. When God says something repeatedly, there's typically a reason for that. You ever notice that? It's of extra importance. And sometimes that importance stems from the audience, you know. And consider the audience here. And who's the audience? Well, it's really Joshua. I mean, God is speaking to Joshua. Is he speaking to the whole nation? Well, yeah, to a, to a, to a certain degree. But I mean, in this immediate context, he has this audience of one. I mean, he's really talking to Joshua. And Joshua is certainly going to pass this on to the rest of the people and make sure that they all hear this. But in this context, he's really speaking to Joshua Do you ever wonder why he repeats it a number of times as we're about to see? I think it might be because Joshua is having one of these gulp moments. You know what I mean when I say gulp moment? Have you ever stepped into a new position or a new frightening uh, task Maybe the, the very first time that you had to stand up before a group and talk, or, or the first time that you had to do a thing that was very new and uncomfortable to you, and you're just about to do it, and you have these thoughts in your head like, I, I kind of don't believe this is actually about to happen. Am I really going to do this? Gulp, right? <laughs> Did you hear that? If I actually gulp, can you hear it? <laughs> I wonder... 
you know, up to this point, we haven't really gotten to meet and, and interact with Joshua a ton. You know, we, we've sort of seen him in ancillary fashion. We know some things about Joshua. But I just want to suggest to you that it is very likely, because he was a person, that stepping into this role where he was to lead a, a, a huge group of people, where he was now the leader of an entire nation, where he had all this writing on him. And here it is. Moses is now, like, it's official. Moses is gone. And I wonder if Joshua sort of had this gulp. Oh boy, you know. And I think the fact that God gives Joshua this message repeatedly is informative. I think as we so often see, God doesn't say, fear not, and have the person to whom he's speaking say, what do you mean? I wasn't afraid. Right? Why does God tell people, fear not? I mean, it's typically because they're afraid. Because they have reason for fear. Because they have cause for nervousness, for gulp. And I just wonder if we're speculating some. I understand that. I mean, the text is the text, but just put yourself in Joshua's shoes. Wouldn't you be gulping a little? And I love, again, that God, who has already said, now, by and large, my communications with Joshua are going to be through the high priest, through this Urim and Thummim, but now God speaks to Joshua. And he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Just to remind you, maybe, uh, when Jews use terms like their fathers, they don't just mean their dad. I mean, they mean... Uh, previous generations all the way back, you know. So father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, you know, this is really the idea that they had in mind. When they say fathers, it's more like your ancestors. This goes all the way back again to Genesis chapter 12 when God came to this guy named Abram and said, Abram, I'm going to use you. I'm going to take you to this place that you've never seen before. I'm going to make you and your offspring into a nation, a whole people. I'm going to bless you. I'm going... It was all bound up. And so when God reminds Joshua, this is something that I promised to your fathers. I mean, it would have been virtually impossible for Joshua not to think Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? He would have gotten that message loud and clear. And God just reminds him. This is the thing that's going to happen. Verse 7, here it is again. Only be strong and very courageous. Now he says very courageous. <laughs> be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Now there's a slight shifting of gears here. He starts this all off by saying, again, be strong and courageous. In fact, be strong and very courageous. But 
Whereas before, God has reminded Joshua, so much of this is already done. I mean, I already did, I already gave you this place. You just need to go to it now, you know. I mean, it, it, it happened. I did it. It's completely unconditional. But now there is also this conditional component to part of this. Not to receiving the land, but God does say, now listen, Joshua, as you're being strong and courageous, I want you to be careful to do according to what the law says. This law that they'd been given at Mount Sinai, they spent a long time at Mount Sinai receiving the law, carrying out its instructions to, to, to build the tabernacle and its furnishings, to understand how the, 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 the priests would minister and, and you know some just logistical things like where they set up camp, uh, where the tabernacle would go, and then where each of the tribes of Israel would go in relation to the tabernacle and how they line up and how they would pack up and fold everything up and who would carry what and all of this stuff. But the core of that was this law that explained to them how to live. How to live as members of God's community. And so they have this. And God now says to Joshua, Joshua, you gotta, you got to keep it. you got to keep this law in front of you. you got to be careful to do according to what it says. Don't turn away from it. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so you, you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, I'm giving you this land. The land is it's already yours. Everywhere the sole of your foot touches, it's yours. That already happened. However, it is possible that you could be in the land and yet not be prosperous. There's this element here I want you to understand. This law is given to you so that you could know it and follow it and obey it. And there is some element of your prosperity that is dependent on that. Verse 9, Have I not commanded you? And here he says it again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. What an incredible message. And so Joshua then, verse 10, commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days... You are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. I suggested there's a pretty good chance that as Joshua receives the helm of leadership, you know, that, that it's kind of a gulp moment. Which is why I love that God just says, Joshua, listen. You're the man now, and I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to be strong and very courageous. I want you to be strong and courageous. And then by verse 10, as Joshua now really becomes the leader, now he's, he's talking, you know. There's no sense, again, we just have the text, but there's no sense here that Joshua 
is waffling, that he's doubtful. He may still have been inwardly gulping, but he's like, all right, here we go. And he just tells the people, here it is, we're going. Within three days, we're crossing. And he restates this thing that God has reminded him. We are going to take this land that our God has already given us. So, go through the camp, tell everybody, get your provisions ready, and get ready to go. Because we're going to move. Isn't that great? Verse 12. To the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said... All right, now I want to stop here because we haven't talked about this. This is, this is interesting. We skipped over it because it kind of didn't have anything to do with Joshua. But here he has this special message for two and a half of the tribes of Israel. And that bears some explanation. So here's how this looks. Um, there are 13 tribes of Israel. We, we often refer to the 12 tribes, but one of the tribes is the Levites, and the Levites are really special and set aside. So including the Levites, there really are 13 tribes of Israel. Jacob had 12 sons, but one of his sons, Joseph, had two kids, and both of his kids get a, a share and, and become leaders of tribes of their own. That's how we end up with 13. Got it? Now, when they're approaching the land from the east again, some of these tribes, and we're told here, was the Reubenites, tribe of Reuben, the Gadites, the tribe of Gad, and then about half of the tribe of Manasseh. They looked around and they said, you know what? Even on this side of the Jordan, this is nice. We like this. Could we stay here? And the answer ultimately from God was yes. However, You need to go across the Jordan and help your brothers, help your sisters with this conquest that's about to happen. Because there is a war. I mean, we we got to conquer this territory. You're going to do it. I'm going to drive the people out in front of you. Nonetheless, you need to help your brothers with that. And so don't just stop and feel like you're done. The fighting men are going to come across, fight with the rest of the people, and then and only then can you go back home and, and settle in and be careful, or, or be, uh, be comfortable. Maybe careful too, I don't know. And so that's where this message is coming from. You see? To the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying... See, this isn't new information, but Joshua is just refreshing their memory. The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you behind, uh, beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And whatever you send us, we will go. I'm sorry, wherever you will send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall be put to death. Only be strong 
and courageous. And this is a beautiful passage. And again, this idea of be strong and courageous, repeated over and over and over. God repeats it to Joshua. Then Joshua, in turn, reminds the people and tells the people. And, and you even see this half-tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Gad and Reuben sort of echo this back and say, yeah, we're going to be strong and courageous. I love this. And yet I want to be careful with this. Now, for a couple of reasons. I, I think we often can be guilty of appropriating certain things from the Bible for ourselves that perhaps aren't really for ourselves, right? And if we're going to be really strict here, this message that God speaks about being strong and courageous, he speaks to Joshua, but somebody said earlier when I asked, I mean, who's it really for? It's for Israel in the context of this conquest that's about to happen, right? So, you know, we want to be careful and not just say, hey, God's telling me to be strong and courageous. In this case, I think we can make a pretty good argument that you are, in fact, being told to be strong and courageous in a whole number of other places in the Bible. Is that fair? Isn't that true? The thing I really want to be careful with, though, is that I'm afraid sometimes what we take from this is just that phrase, be strong and courageous. We want to put it on a motivational poster. Maybe with a picture of a kitten hanging from a rope or something. Just be strong and courageous. So we can all say, yeah, be strong and courageous. And I think we really miss the point of this passage when we do that. Because what you'll notice is God does not just sort of hang a motivational poster in front of Joshua. Joshua, here's a picture of a cat. <laughs> or maybe of a man climbing a mountain. With the tagline, be strong and courageous. God doesn't just say to Joshua, and in turn to the nation of Israel, be strong and courageous, full stop. What does he say? Be strong and courageous because I am God. You be strong and courageous because I have already told you this land is yours. You be strong and courageous because I promised you I would drive these people out before you. Be strong and courageous because of who I am, because of what I have said, because of the promises that I've made, and those promises are sure and true, and that's why you're being called on to be strong and courageous. This isn't just like a motivational poster. It's not just pablum. This is a, a statement with the force of God himself and his actions behind it. Hallelujah. That is what God tells Joshua. He doesn't just say, be strong and courageous three times and then pat him on the back and say, all right, on your way, have fun. 
what he really reminds Joshua is of who he himself, that is God, is. What he has said, what he has done, what he has promised. And within that framework, within that context, he says, so be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. You have nothing to worry about. Like that psalm we read earlier, what do I have to fear? There again, it's not just posturing. It's not puffing up one's chest and saying, I'm not afraid of anything. It's, I don't need to be afraid of anything because God is on my side. I mean, what would I be afraid of? (laughs) This is the thing that God reminds Joshua. I think we do have reason to be strong and courageous. And we could go to so many places. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, one of my very favorite books. <laughs> I know I say that a lot about so much of the Bible. <laughs> Boy, I really like this one. <laughs> really, Ephesians is good, though. <laughs> but Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Can we just stop there and let that sink in? We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Come on. Come on. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Come on! To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. I love words like that. Lavished. It's not as if God was stingy with His grace and gave you a little. He lavished you with grace in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
He goes on to say, in Him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of His glory. I mean, this may be one of the densest passages in all the Bible with the, the, the profound truth that is just packed in there. It's just, Paul just doesn't let up. He just piles on all of these descriptions of us and our position in Jesus Christ. I mean, there are like 10 sermons just in that passage that we, I mean, it's incredible. It's so rich. And de- this is just one passage. But do you understand why we can say we can be strong and courageous? It's this. See? It's all of this. It's because of God. It's because of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of the position in which we are in. Because of Him. It's because of the blessings that are ours because of Him. It's because of the inheritance that we now have. It's because we are now adopted children of the Most High God. Not just sort of part of His household. and His adopted kids... And so when we read passages like, why do I need to fear? See, this is the backdrop. I don't ever want us to think of these phrases as just motivational posters. Be strong and courageous because that sounds great on a poster. No. Be strong and courageous because God. Hallelujah. Be strong and courageous because of His promises be strong and courageous because of who he is because of his power be strong and courageous because of who you are in jesus christ be strong and courageous because of ephesians chapter one i mean just read that over and over for the next month come on be strong and courageous not as a motivational poster but with the full backdrop and the full weight of who your God is and what He has done in you. It's possible, if not extremely likely, that you frequently deal with doubts, with fears, with uncertainty, I mean, we all do, right? It's extremely likely 
that you frequently experience just gulp moments, you know. But what I want to remind you today, as God did with Joshua in our passage, is not just say, buck up, be strong and courageous with a pasted on grin. What I want to do today is, as God did with Joshua, remind you of God. That's the reason. That's why I can confidently preach to myself to be strong and courageous, even in the face of fear. And that's what I want to ask you to preach to yourself. That's why, as it turns out, this is so important. Yeah. I've said so many times, you're probably sick and tired of me saying it. I don't care. Um, (laughs) If today is the only day this week that you get any of this, it's not enough. You need more of it. You need it all the time. You know why? Because this is how God reminds you of who He is. This is how you know Him better. This is how you know your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ better. This is how your relationship becomes richer. Is through this. You need it like you need food. You need it like you need air. Because you and I need to be reminded over and over and over, time and time again, of who God is. So that be strong and courageous isn't just this clever saying pasted on the picture of a cat. But it is a thing that we know, we understand, that we have a conviction of deep down in our bones. Because we know our God. So be strong and courageous is every bit for us today. I want to suggest that it might be stronger for us today even than it was for Joshua and for the people of Israel. I mean, I don't want to minimize the promises that God made to them. But I've said this at times before too. If Old Testament saints could see the reality in which we live through our Lord Jesus Christ, the the profound richness of Ephesians chapter 1, they would be utterly blown away. They would count us as the wealthiest, most blessed people they'd ever heard of. And that's us. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. And if God was telling them that they could be strong, that they could could not be afraid, they could not worry about anything. They could have courage. How much more is a message to us, His kids, that we can be strong and courageous? Hallelujah. We need this message today. Don't be embarrassed or feel guilty if you sometimes face doubts and fears and uncertainty. That's kind of called being human. And furthermore, when you face those fears and those doubts, don't just for no reason say, well, I'm just going to try to be strong and courageous, kind of full stop. I'll just try harder to have more strength and more courage. That is not what the Bible teaches you. What the Bible teaches you is to be strong and courageous because 
of God. Because of who He is. Because of what He has promised you. Because of what already belongs to you. Because God did that. Be strong and courageous. Can we do that? Can we model that? Because of who our God is. Father, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your salvation, for your love. I thank you for the strength and courage that is ours. Not when we just try to dig deep and have strength and courage, but the strength and courage that's ours when we remember you. When we remember who we are in you. When we remember your power. When we remember your actions. Your decrees. When we remember your promises. When we remember all of this as we continue to turn back to your word day in and day out and be reminded that we have great reason to be strong and courageous. Because when you are with us, who can be against us? What in the world do we need to be afraid of? Thank you, God. And as is so often the case, God, we want to be mindful of those today that might not have put their personal faith and trust in you. That might not have become your adopted child because of what Jesus Christ already did. It's a promise that you've given us that based on Christ, based on his righteousness, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, that we can be made your children, that you offer that to us for free, and that that's where strength and courage truly comes from. If you're with us today, no matter where you are, if that's you, I want you to know that your God wants to replace your fear with courage. He wants to replace your weakness with strength. And he doesn't want to do that by your own power and by your own will and resolution. He wants to do that by giving you Jesus Christ. That gift is yours just for the receiving of it. By faith. And if you've not done that, I urge you to do that this day. God, for the rest of us, may we have a clear sense of our strength and courage and it being all bound up in you. Remind us constantly of who you are. Father, we love you. We praise and worship you today. We thank you for this opportunity to be together. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.